think it's really important to create a setting and environment where you're challenging hitters to make game-like decisions, right? I think if the environment is set where you're swinging at 95 to 100% of pitches, then that's not that's not a game-like situation. That environment is not going to test your decision-making because you're just swinging every time. Hello and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I am Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for joining us. This episode is brought to you by Baseball Cloud. Baseball Cloud's revolutionary software platform brings to life the numbers captured by TrackMan and FlightScope. This provides colleges, players, and facility owners around the world a turnkey product, allowing them to analyze their data using key metrics and custom visualizations on one intuitive user interface. Go to BaseballCloud.com to find out how you can have your own data analytics department for your program. Data has a story to tell, and Baseball Cloud gives it a voice. During this episode, I interviewed Tiger Peterson, minor league hitting coach for the St. Louis Cardinals. Tiger grew up in a baseball family, so we talk about his desire to get into coaching after his playing career. And on the show, Tiger and I discuss the importance of communication, specifically those of whom English isn't their first language. We also talk about the importance of getting hitters to improve their adjustability and the importance of players getting into a good position to hit. This episode is so good, and here is Tiger Peterson. Tiger, welcome to the show. Jonathan, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Of course, of course. So I'm excited to listen to what you've got to share for us today and and to get to hear a little bit more about you and, you know, your baseball background and and we've we've exchanged some texts and talked over the phone a little bit, and uh, I've gotten to to hear a little bit about that. But I'd love to hear more. And so, just if you don't mind, give us a short snapshot of your baseball background and why you decided to get into coaching. Yeah, definitely. So I grew up in a baseball family in Palo Alto, California. My dad played 13 years professionally, and definitely raised me and all my siblings up uh, in a sport athletic environment. And you know, we all decided to. Uh, pursue baseball for the most part. Sister played soccer at UCLA. She's a senior. Molder Brother Champ is a motivational speaker and works with Live Like a Champ, his foundation. Younger brother, Jock, plays with the Los Angeles Dodgers currently and myself as a coach. But growing up, all into sports and definitely took after baseball like my dad. And the love grew at a very young age and just decided to follow it and, and chase my dreams as a player. I was fortunate enough to be drafted by the Los Angeles Dodgers and play a couple of years of pro ball and a couple of years of indie ball before pursuing coaching. But there comes that time in everybody's career where you kind of decide what's going to be the best move for you after your baseball playing career. And I always knew that I wanted to be a coach and, uh, you know, the coaching, I got some really good experience and opportunities right out of the gate after retiring. Started with Major League Baseball in Taiwan as my first stint and then got into the college game after that starting at Hawaii Pacific University as an assistant um, and pursuing my master's in education. After that, ended up managing in the California Collegiate Summer League with the Orange County Riptide. I was there for a summer. The next season, I ended up at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo as an assistant there, worked with Larry Lee and his staff. The following summer, I joined the Northwoods Collegiate League as a manager and managed my first summer there in the Northwoods before eventually landing with St. Louis Cardinals this last year. So finished with St. Louis this year, and we'll be back for spring training. And for next, looking forward to uh, working in Springfield and AA with our AA hitters and some of the kids that I coached last year in Palm Beach at the high level. So it's been a 
a great ride so far. Lots of great experiences and been very blessed with awesome opportunities. And yeah, that's kind of kind of a short snapshot of uh, my coaching career. Oh, that's fantastic. And I think it is really cool that you get to loop up with those kids because you had them last year. You'll have them for another year. And I know that that, that will be truly helpful for you and for them. I, I can only imagine how much you got to know them over the last couple of months and getting to see them again in a couple of months. That'll be fantastic. And when our listeners are listening to this in the middle of the off season, we're all trying to put together player development plans. And, and I know that you mentioned that you give lessons and you do some different stuff. And so this can kind of be pro focus, but also just things that you do with the kids that you work with. But what are some of your main goals for the off season and kind of what are you looking for? What are you looking towards and how are you getting ready, getting them ready for the spring? Definitely. Uh, I would say one of my main goals as a coach is definitely to continue learning, continue to develop as a coach, being a young coach in the game. There's always lots to learn out there. A lot of good conventions, a lot of good podcasts, a lot of good speakers, mentors. So just continue to pick people's brains and continue to, you know, improve my own development and become the best hitting coach that I can possibly be and Mm -hmm. make sure I learn about all the other aspects of baseball and pitching, base running, catching. I want to learn all different aspects of the game just to be well-rounded and who knows what opportunities may come down the road, but I do like to learn about all different aspects. Hitting specifically, though, continue to uh, to learn from mentors and spend time with people who I think are some of the most successful in the game. Just continue to pick their brains and learn how they work with guys so that I can learn from those experiences and continue to help my players. And that's one of the biggest things for me is just make sure that the offseason's focused on growth and, and make sure there's always more information out there to learn. Just be open-minded to see what's out there and see what I can apply and add to my tool set. Well, fantastic. And so, yeah, it's, you've mentioned several different resources. Is, is there anything specific that uh, you're going to this off season or you're digging into currently? Yeah, currently I've got a uh, plans to go to the ABCA convention. That's always a, a great coaches convention where I've learned a lot over the past couple of years. The first one I attended was in Anaheim a few years back. I also attended the one in Texas last year, but really good opportunity to meet up with old friends, network, learn from different speakers. I really like how I've seen it evolve from mostly college coaches to college and pro coaches and softball. I think there's a lot that you can learn from from all different coaches, from different experiences and levels. And so it's nice. You can just go and, and you meet a lot of different people who may shape your coaching career. You may strike up a conversation and develop a relationship that that you may be able to be able to lean on and, and that kind of shapes who you are as a coach. But I think there's invaluable experiences there where, where you can go and, and pick somebody's brain and have something for you to give back to your players and your team. And so that's just one, one event that, that I'm really interested in specifically. But uh, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of other good ones out there. I know Slugfest is going to be a great opportunity for, for those that can go that's hitting specific Mm-hmm. And then pitch a palooza for for pitchers. I know is another great event. So there's lots of good events out there. Trying to figure out where to spend your time and and how to be, I guess, time efficient and cost efficient is something that's very intriguing and something that takes a lot of planning. And but there's tons of good resources out there, and it's good to be able to to get out there and see what's see what's available. Right. Absolutely. And uh, you know, I think that 
the reason we like going to clinics is not only the speakers, but the guys that we meet and get to talk shop with either in between sessions or, or at night too, because it's, you know, we're, we're for the most part doing a lot of the same stuff and running in the same circles and ba- baseball is such a small world that it's, it's crazy how small it is. And so, yeah, it's, it's the time of year to brushing up on our knowledge if we're not already. And, and definitely I, I agree with those as well, but let's talk about, the guys that you're working with currently this off season, Let, I'm going to make this a two part question and let's start with, mm-hmm. with your amateur kids. So whenever, let's say somebody texts you, a parent texts you and says, Hey tiger, can you work with my son? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Bring We'll, we'll work to get today at four o'clock. So bring him in. So what are the, some of the first things that you guys do? You know, what are, are there questions that you ask is, do you run them through something? You kind of watch them. I mean, what's your process? Yeah, definitely. So when I get an amateur player who wants to, who wants to work with me, I usually start off trying to get to know them as well as I can, ask them about where they've been and kind of their experiences, if they're working on anything, what's helped them in the past, if they have specific drills or fields that they like, what kind of environment they like to train in, if they're having success or, you know, if they're failing, I think it's something that's important, kind of getting to know them as a player and their confidence level, I think is really important and seeing where they're at mentally. If they do have mental skills and tools that they use, I think that's important to know. And then kind of getting to know the parents as well and see what are their goals and where they want to go. And I think that's the most important thing. Lots of amateur players have different goals. And, you know, a lot of people aspire to, you know, play at the higher levels. Maybe it's college, maybe it's pro. Some amateur players just want to have fun and, you know, enjoy their time. And so I think, you know, depending on what their goals are, it kind of shapes how you go about training that specific player and you know the volume and all that different kind of stuff depends on what they want ideally Mm -hmm. Um, absolutely but yeah i think that's how that's how i go about training my amateur players for sure well and and let's let me turn this around for you because you may have some guys that you didn't have last season and so where do you start with those guys are you busy reviewing film right now with the guys that you think you may have or even whenever a guy gets pulled up to double a from high a that you may not have had where where do you start with those guys i mean i'm sure that's a conversation behind the scenes but what does it look like when you're trying to get to know them and get to know what they do well yeah definitely luckily you know being in the system for a year i already have a lot of experience with the hitters that i potentially may have next year whether it was in spring training or maybe a hitting camp obviously A lot of our hitting coaches are very close and, you know, we talk and communicate all the time. So to be able to pick their brains and see what they had success with different hitters with, what resources the kids like, data, tech, video, track man, whatever the case may be. But what do they associate with? What helps them in their daily routine? How they respond well to feedback? Obviously, taking a look at their video is very important, trying to break it down and see where their inefficiencies are, what can be cleaned up. Sometimes there's multiple different things, but trying to figure out the route and kind of go from there. But definitely using your resources and the data and technology is great, but also communicating with your staff and, and your organization as a whole and figuring out what's going to be the best the best plan of development for this guy and, and figuring out a good roadmap for where we want to go with him. I think it's important, but luckily with St. Louis, we have a lot of great resources and a lot of great people in our hitting department, and we can bounce different ideas off of a number of different individuals, but we're all really close from the top down. And that makes it great just to be able to, to have different guys that you can have conversations with if, 
if you're feeling like you're having a hard time making progress with a specific hitter or if you need to, you know, maybe try a different, a new idea. Oh, that's fantastic. I love the top-down approach and sounds like you guys do a really good job of communicating it. And I think that's fantastic just because you don't have to get to know them or even the players. The players don't have to get to know you as a coach and get to hear a bunch of different voices and them trying to pick out, you know, what's right and what's wrong. And so another thing that I'm trying to do a better job of is creating an environment where we practice adjustability in the swing. Obviously, it's something that's huge and it's something that, you know, sometimes goes by the wayside and and really having good, deep conversations about the players with their ability to make adjustments within the swing. So what are some different practical ways that you help with that? It could be drills, it could be conversations, it could be just any and all of the above. But, you know, what do you what do you think about whenever I'm asking, you know, what how do you train adjustability in, in the swing? Yeah, that's a really great question. Adjustability is becoming more and more important as pitchers continue to get better and better. Obviously, with pitch design and the ability to tunnel and provide more deception on pitches, it becomes very important to combat that and have adjustability in your swing as hitters. So that's something that you continuously try to develop. It's very challenging, but I think being able to move efficiently and get yourself into a good hitting position is the number one most important thing. Once you can get into a good position and move efficiently, that definitely promotes adjustability and just gives you a better opportunity to handle different pitches, change in speed, change in plane, change in shape. So that's really important to be able to, to move forward. I think being able to challenge yourself in an environment where you can feel your misses is really important. The importance of feeling your misses is now you see where your swing's breaking down. If your swing never breaks down and it always feels good, then you're not challenging yourself enough and you're not going to promote adjustability. Because when you get into the game and you're seeing 100-mile-an-hour heaters and then you're seeing nasty sliders and breaking balls and a big speed spread and change in planes, you're going to have to have adjustability. And if you're not training for that, then you're putting yourself at a disadvantage and you're not being adjustability. And that's, that's kind of the name of the game as, as hitting is moving forward. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think that <laughs> that's being a hitter, being adjust hitters are adjustable guys that have nice swings aren't. And I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir with that. And, and you mentioned how important it was. And an, another thing that I think is, is really vital that we help our players to make better decisions. And just meaning you mentioned earlier of how good pitchers are getting. And so we have to be able to make better decisions when we do decide not to swing as you know, if, or, decide to swing meaning like with the players that I work with we always try and decide not to swing with the yes yes no mentality rather than deciding to swing Mm -hmm. but ways that you help with decision training I mean it's it's something that is I feel like it's something that's new that we are you know we always train pitch recognition but now we're trying to to make this a segmented part of practice so what are some different ways that you do that and is it does it have to come down to really seeing it in the most game-like setting or what are some different ways that we can do that yeah i think it's really important to create a setting and environment where you're challenging hitters to make game-like decisions right i think if the environment is set where you're swinging at 95 to 100 percent of pitches then that's not that's not a game-like situation that environment is not going to test your decision making because you're just swinging every time essentially so creating an environment in which good takes are promoted however you may do that i think is you know you can be 
you can be innovative and try a lot of different things, but creating environments where it's important to have good takes and feel where you're at when you're taking those pitches to, you know, that's the name of the game. It's having good decisions and being able to get yourself into positive count leverage situations, you know, where you have a better chance at driving the baseball and hitting it hard, hard and far and being able to do damage. But vice versa, if you don't train decision training and you continuously get yourself in the hole and you're playing defense or up there in defensive counts, that makes it very challenging to slug and do damage and be able to do all the things you want to do as a hitter. So I think creating that challenging environment and promoting decision-making, I think is huge. And yeah, definitely can get creative when it comes to that. All right. So another aspect that, that I really enjoy adding to practice and it's something that all it, all it takes is adding a point system or a, an objective and then adding points to that. But that's competition and competition is, we all love competition. We're baseball players. It doesn't matter if we're playing ping pong, if we're playing video games, or if we're playing in a game, we love to compete. And so is is there any fun competitions that you guys enjoy or anything that, that you don't mind sharing with us? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, competitions in a full season environment can be really beneficial. It gets players outside of their typical routines and it gets them outside of, you know, maybe being a little bit over mechanical and trying to feel and think about all their different aspects of the swing. And you just get them focused on a specific task or just getting in that competitive environment can get them outside of their mechanics and kind of just go and let's just execute a goal, whatever the case may be. But creating that environment and and training them to be competitive and always competing, I think is it's something that's really important and there definitely has to be aspects of competition where it's important to try to compete and win and do a job. So that way, when we get into situations on the field or in the game where the game's on the line and we have to drive a runner in from third with less than two, like we have experience doing that and we're challenging ourselves in an environment where it's very tough and we just have to be able to grind out those ABs and get the job done. But if we don't practice those things and we don't practice competing, whether it's competing against ourselves or competing in a team environment, I think, you know, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. And like you said, being able to create that environment where you are competing and it's you're training yourself for a game. And that's exactly what we want to do. No, fantastic. And it's something that's always fun. And it's something that any any time that we can just literally just say, hey, points to the pool side that are above a certain miles an hour today is the goal and so they're like okay cool and it heightens not only heightens their awareness but now they understand what what the objective of the day is and you could have a group that needs to learn to be able to pull the ball better and and be able to do that or it could be something silly or something fun or or something that you're really trying to uh, be intentional about for the day uh, like a constraint but another thing that i am trying to get better at is being really intentional just about process and about developing a system of players and trying to hit or not necessarily a system of players, but having a, a system that players can work within to simplify and become better individually that to help the team get better. And so just something that a couple of things that we've been very intentional about this fall, it's just better movement, better pitch recognition and being on time. And so I think with, with those three things, it's going to be, there's a lot of th- different things that go around that, but it's three things that are really important to us. And so are, th- are there anything that you're very intentional about on a daily basis? Definitely. Yeah. I think uh, educating hitters is very important. I 
positions that they need to be in to be successful and be able to have an efficient movement, I think is very important. I think understanding what that feels like and what that looks like is very important from a video standpoint. Mm -hmm. So continuously educating hitters to become their own best hitting coach and improve their knowledge base, I think is something that is super important and invaluable. A lot of hitters spend lots of times, whether it's the off season on their own, amateurs with different hitting coaches and, and different coaches with different philosophies. But I think if you can educate hitters and promote awareness and education where hitters are taking ownerships of their swings and understanding the positions they need to be in and what it looks like on video, they can start to hold themselves accountable and understand where they need to be and what it should be looking at, what it should be looking like, and being able to develop a routine and drill set and feels and cues that work for that specific individual, I think is very, very important. So continuously educating the hitter to the point where they feel very confident in becoming their own best hitting coach and just giving them as much resources as you can so that way they can go about their business the right way when maybe they're not with you in an everyday setting. So, yeah, that would be uh, the number one thing for me. No, I like that, and that brought two things to my mind and two things that we've talked a little bit about already. I love that you help them to understand what what it feels like when they swing and miss or swing and make bad contact and, and where it breaks down. I think that that that's something that when you're having a conversation about that, it does help them be their own best hitting coach. And another thing that helps quite a bit is asking the right questions. And it sounds like you're, you're someone who asks a ton of questions. You've mentioned communication several different times within, you know, the 20 minutes that we've been talking. And is is that something that you, you ask more questions and give answers? Yes, I think definitely at the end of the day, it's all about knowing your, your players and being able to relate with them and communicating just across the board is super important. So being able to ask the right questions to get them to open up and build that trust and relationship with your hitter, I think is super important. And it's not so much about my philosophy or what I want to teach or me force feeding them information. It's more so about when they're ready to receive information and the timing of that information. And I believe being a good hitting coach is having information and making sure that it is presented in a way that makes sense to the player and that is given on time, meaning that it comes when the player is receptive and they're ready for it. Because there's lots of times that you may have a ton of information, but if you can't relate it or you don't have a good relationship or the timing's not right and the player's not receptive, then that information is getting wasted. And then maybe when they are ready for it, you've already, you've already blown your shot because you try to force feed it to them or Mm -hmm. tell them, you know, they should be doing things this way instead of being ready and prepared when, when the player is ready for you. So I think that's the most important part. And as coaches, we have to, you know, continuously be aware of when those situations arise and, and always be prepared for that and have good information ready when the player is ready. So that's one thing that I learned a lot about being intentional with my timing and my communication skills. So what does it look like whenever you are communicating with someone who doesn't necessarily speak English as their primary language. So it may be their second language. You know, you work with a very high Latin population who speaks Spanish primarily and are learning English still. And so what is the conversation different and how do you make sure that they're getting the same amount of information, quality information that the guys who are speaking English on a daily basis are? You know, that's a great question. We have a ton of Latin players in our system. It's been a pleasure working with all of them continuing to practice my Spanish. My three years in high school have helped me tremendously. Uh, My year in college that I spent studying Spanish 
being able to visit the Dominican Republic growing up is huge just to learn about the culture and see what it's like coming from the Dominican Republic over to the United States and playing baseball. My experiences as a player playing in the Arizona Rookie League with a lot of Latin players definitely heightened my awareness. But I think just understanding the culture and being able to learn as much as you can is super important to communicating and letting the players know that you want to try and you're willing to learn. There's a lot of Spanish speakers and Latin players who take English classes, but I think it's just as important for American players and American coaches to take Spanish classes and be able to communicate and relate with those players is, is super important. Sometimes you have to be creative and, you know, it depends on what your Spanish-speaking skills are and what the Spanish-speaking players' skills are with English. So sometimes you have to get creative. Sometimes you have to go outside the box and, and maybe use video, obviously, if you're fortunate enough to have a translator or something like that. But there's lots of different different ways you can get around it. But I think at the end of the day, the best way is to just embrace yourself in the culture, study as much Spanish as you can and practice. I know where I started learning a lot and, and getting a lot better was I would tell a lot of my Spanish players, just talk to me in Spanish only. My Spanish isn't going to be perfect, and I know that, but I'm showing them that I care and that I want to learn their language. And I would have guys that would teach me new words every day, and I would say, hey, come up, come up with something in Spanish that you want to teach me today, and we'll practice it, and tomorrow I want something different. And just being open with those players and letting them know, like, hey, I know you're trying to learn English, and hey, I'm right there with you. I'm trying to learn Spanish and improve my Spanish-speaking skills as much as I can. And I think when you show them that you're vulnerable like that and you want to learn and you, you want to adapt to them, and it's all about the player at the end of the day, right? And you have to figure out how they relate best. So once I put myself in that position and I showed vulnerability and, and wanted to speak with them in Spanish only, they were that much more open to receiving the information and, and they knew I really cared about them. And I think that's really important as a coach to relate and build that trust and relationship is letting players know that you care because at the end of the day, it's about serving them. It's not, not about yourself or your own agenda. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I, I love that. And it's something that <laughs> I've got a bunch of ELL kids in uh, my classes and I've been trying to do the same thing just because I truly think it's helpful, but I also think that it, it breaks down that, that barrier between they're trying to learn and they don't want to sound just like we learning another language, you don't want to sound dumb. And the, you know, when we're, when we're, when we're really bad at their language, it kind of breaks down that barrier of, it, Hey, it's okay. It's okay. If you mess something up, it's not a big deal. And that's mm -hmm. something that I've learned because trying to speak Spanish to uh, you know, a native Spanish speaker, it's kind of intimidating because I don't want to sound Definitely. like I have no idea what I'm doing, but getting over that, I think is a, is a big deal. And, but it also, like I said, it's breaking down that barrier between you and them trying to have a, a good conversation. And speaking of communication and conversation, you're, you're a guy who played in pro ball, you played in, in a ton of different, just different aspects of it. And you mentioned you got to coach in Japan, which is, which is really, really cool. But I want to know, you know, coming from, I didn't play in pro ball. And so I didn't get immersed in game planning and plan and approach uh, based on to the level of most pro ball guys. And so what does that look like? And what does that conversation look like? Just because again, you played in it, now you're coaching in it. And I'm sure that you playing in it has helped you with that. But what does that look like? And can you give us kind of a, a peek inside of what a conversation like that would be? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, being able to understand your organizational philosophy is obviously very important. Being able to communicate a message from the top down, and just making sure that you're in line with 
everything that the organization wants to to plan and approach for for those specific individuals. But I think it all comes down to again communicating, having good relationships with your staff members and you know your hitting coordinator and everybody that's that's on par with executing the offensive game plan, and then obviously having good relationships with your players, being able to communicate that message precisely and and get everybody on the same page. So I really like that. And so let's, let's go a little bit more in depth if, that, if that's okay. And so let's say that a player just got out, you know, they rolled over mm-hmm. or maybe they struck out. What does that conversation look like whenever they're coming back to the dugout and in between at bats? Cause you've got some time and I'm sure they're coming up to you asking you some different questions. So give us a peek inside what that would be. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, it comes down to the relationship with that player and trust and understanding what's going to best serve them in the moment. A lot of players are, are very heated in that environment and obviously hitting something that's very challenging. A lot of times hitters want to communicate after they get out or when they're struggling and they kind of go into a panic mode of, hey, coach, help me. What do you see? And that can be very challenging during a game to, to accomplish something and to maybe give something that you think is, might help. But I think understanding your player and, and knowing what they need in that given time and what's going to be best for them obviously it's in a game situation. So sometimes I think building up their confidence and, and just kind of, you know, let them know, stick to the process and, you know, everything's going to be all right. I think in the, in the immediate, I think that's, you know, a great way to go unless you know that player specifically can make an in-game adjustment where you have something different for them and, and maybe you give them that, but it really depends on how receptive the player is and, and what you think is best going to serve that specific time and the situation in the game and, Mm-hmm. all those other different things. But there's a lot of variables that go into it. Sure. But there's always the, hey, let's sleep on it. And, you know, we can we can take some look at a lot of different things, whether it's video, data, and leverage the resources that we have and have a conversation the next day when we're a little bit more calm and we've collected our thoughts and then be able to actually go and work on some different things when we're not in a competitive, stressful environment. So I think understanding your player and and how they're going to respond to the information you give them at that point is very critical. Sure, I love that, and thank you for you know going in depth with with some of the of what that looks like because I I think that that sometimes it, the players that's who they go to. You're someone that they trust, and and they can feel it, but it's really hard they can't see it. And so getting a different opinion and and when learning when to push and when to pull and when to give them information and when to just say hey you you may have been just a little off time. And I love hearing that from you. And another thing that that I think is becoming more popular and that's, you know, pregame work and making sure that they have a routine that not only sets them up to be confident and sets them up for success, but also you've got, you know, you've got what, like five months to help them to continually get better. So you've got to use that time while they're playing every single day to be able to develop their swing and develop them as a hitter. So what does your pregame look like? And, you know, how are you utilizing the time that you've got? Yeah, I think it's important to just be intentional and have a plan with your pregame time. For us, it definitely is specific to who we're going to be facing that day and trying to set up an environment where we're going to get a good look and prepare these guys for what they might see in that night's game. So I think just creating that environment where they are going to be challenged, but they're also going to to be prepared and making sure that you have a good balance between consistently challenging guys versus movement patterning and building good repetition i think Mm -hmm. is really important and understanding as a hitting coach what the guys need that day whether it's from a team standpoint or from an individual standpoint 
but given the schedule of the day, there's only a certain amount of time. So you have to be very detailed and, and understand what players need, need what. So that can be very tricky. Some guys may be working on different things and may need different environments. Maybe it's early work, whatever the case may be. But I think at the end of the day, knowing your players is really important to setting up your early work and your, and your pregame prep and developing a drill routine and, and set that, that helps the guys. But I think it definitely is, uh, is individualized and depends on what the player's needs are. And that can change from day to day, whether you're at home, whether you're on the road, what resources you have available that day, who you're facing, day or night game, all those different things come into play. So just having an organized plan and, mm-hmm. and being able to serve the players, I think, is, is the number one most important thing. Sure. And take into account with this next question that most of our listeners are in college or in a high school setting. So they're looking Mm -hmm. to be able to try and do something similar with a lot of players, like within an entire team setting. So, so like for us, we've got 52 in the entire program and most hit, like I think we've got like two POs and, you know, colleges have a 35 man roster, a lot of high schools and a similar number. And you've got you've got quite a few guys too. So how do you balance that individual development within the team setting? Because it's not something that's easy to do. It is definitely not easy to do. It takes a lot of planning and it's very challenging. I think that sometimes you may have to focus on specific players for that certain day. If you're going to get individualized, I think if you teach and educate the players, then they can do a lot of it on their own, but that definitely takes some time. So it's not going to be week one where guys have their routine and drill set down. But if you promote that environment and educate your guys, then over time they may get to a point where they can knock out their individualized routine on their own, and then you can just throw them into whatever practice design you team practice design you have for that day, and they can come and get that work in. But I think the players taking that ownership of their own drill routine is really important, and getting themselves ready to attack that team environment, I think, is something that it's definitely your job to, to promote that learning and give them resources and for those hitters to figure out what individualized stuff they do need. So that way you can obviously move to the, move to the team environment and they can still be successful. Sure. That makes a ton of sense. And you're also, you're allowing them to have some input on what they want to do before they jump right into it. So I'm sure that would, that would increase by in a ton. I know that would. And so, so Tiger, I, before you go, I'd like to get to know you a little bit better with some lightning style questions. And you've mentioned learning several different times this off season, but what's something that you've learned lately that's gotten you really excited? Yeah. Last week I was down in LA training with a friend of mine and I learned about the 4D motion training and sensors. And that was really cool to just kind of see how things were moving and get a little bit better look into that. So that's something that I want to dive into a lot more along with body track. So two different technologies and just see if, you know, leveraging those would benefit my coaching and, you know, elevate me as a hitting coach and give me another tool that I can use. Obviously, we're coming up on 2020 and there's lots of different technology out there. Mm. So I just think, you know, continuously educating myself is is something that I want to continue to do. And you just, you never know until you try and get more familiar with the different products, but maybe something clicks and maybe something helps. And then you help one of your players with it. So yeah, those are two things that were pretty cool that I just learned about. 
So I love that and a great answer to that question. I think we're all trying to get get better this off season and, and trying to learn as much as, as we can while we've while we've got time. But another question that I love, and you can answer this within the facility side or you know the amateur side or the pro ball side, since you've gotten to experience all of them. But let's say you you show up tomorrow and you've got uh, you know that this drill or this competition or this you know even dr- drill set that players love and so you show up tomorrow and you're like hey guys we're doing this today they just they go crazy they love it what would that be yeah i've done before just setting up uh your pocket radar and being able to record exit velos and just go hard hit rounds and have guys in there competing and and you know trying to obviously hit the ball as hard as they can and compete not only against themselves because after certain times they know what their best ball is but also competing against each other is just something that's fun and you know, a lot of the kids have a good time with that. So that's something that, that I would do on the amateur side that the kids really enjoy. Okay. Now let me flip the question on you a little bit. What is something that you believe in that other coaches may disagree with you about? Man, that's a good one. I think uh, just, I guess, becoming a good hitter is something that's, that's very challenging. And it takes a lot of different pieces to, to put the puzzle together on a hitter from communicating with your athletic training staff, your strength and conditioning coaches, mental skills coach, video coordinators, analytics team for an office. But just to best support your athlete, I think that there's a lot of resources there and being able to leverage all of them is something that's really important. And there's so much more to becoming a good hitter or promoting a good hitter than just teaching the swing or just knowing I'm just going to teach mechanics of the swing when there's all these other different aspects that make a good hitter, whether it's, like I said, the mental side, how your player moves, you know, your mental skills, all those different things, I think uh, are a lot of resources you can leverage. So I like that. And that's definitely not something I would disagree with you about. I love that. And uh, we got two more. And so let's say that we, at the, our listeners and myself included, we came and watched you train someone tomorrow. What would be three things that you think would stand out or three things that you do on a daily basis or three things that we would notice? Definitely. Good, good energy for sure. Whether it's just the music that I like to play on my Beats headphones or, excuse me, my beat speakers, but just giving off good vibes, creating a good positive environment. I think hitting is already challenging enough. So you know, I want my guys to feel good. I want them to, you know, get the mojo going and promote a good, healthy learning environment. So that for sure. And then tech and video, I just think it's important to leverage resources you have to make sure you're doing what's best for your player, holding yourself accountable as a coach. Like I said, I've said a couple of different times, but it's 2020. There's lots of resources available. Let's try not to guess and just be a little bit more intentional. I love that. And the final one is we, we talked about resources earlier. But if our listeners would like to hear any of your favorite books, or again, we talked about clinics earlier, but just resources could be people, could be just things that we can reach out and, and ask questions to or learn from. But what are your favorites? For sure. I think for me is, like I mentioned previously, the coaches conventions is huge. And then being able to, to have resources and, and mentors that, that you can talk to and work through different challenges and problems. I know... I'm fortunate to have a lot of different experiences, but uh, being around the Cardinals and, and being able to work underneath Jeff Albert in the big leagues um, and alongside Joey Hawkins, you know, those are two guys that we kind of pick each other's brains all the time. And that's just great to be in the hitting department with those two. So that's been awesome. And then others that I've met along the way, Johnny Washington, Damon Mayshore, Kyle Adel with Blast, Eugene Bleeker, Doug Latta, 
there's guys that, that do a really great job and guys that I look up to and are definitely my mentor. Robert, Chris, and Craig over with LA do an awesome job. But just being able to have these guys to talk to and, and guys to look up to is huge just to continue to understand the swing and, and how guys move. I believe that once you stop becoming a student of the game and stop educating yourself, that's when the game passes you up. So it's super important to, to have those people that you can lean on. As a hitting coach, you face tons of challenges, lots of adversity all the time with your players. And to be able to lean on individuals, whether in your network or, or outside of your network, to, to try to problem solve and at the end of the day, just be the best hitting coach you can be and, and help your players, I think is important. And mentors is huge for that. Coaches conventions are huge for that. You know, listening to different podcasts and trying to absorb as much information you can is huge. And just, you know, using all the people around you. Fortunately for me, the Cardinals, we have a lot of great people. So I'm very blessed to, to be able to work with uh, St. Louis and help me develop as a coach and, and help my hitters. No doubt, no doubt. Well, Tiger, you can definitely tell that you've got a servant's heart and that you are all in it for the players. And, and it, it's definitely something that has come across in the short time that we've gotten to know you today. But if any of our listeners want to get in touch and just kind of ask you some questions or ask you anything about what we've talked about today, what would be the best way to do so? Yeah, definitely. I'm on Twitter. I'm at TigerP25. Definitely shoot me a direct message and I'd be happy to answer any questions. I love making new connections and, and being able to help if I can. So it's a good place to find me or I'm on Instagram um, at Tiger Peterson. So two good places, but uh, yeah, look forward to, uh, to continuing to help if I can. Cool. Well, I have truly enjoyed our conversation today. And, and again, I, I couldn't, couldn't be more thankful for you to come on and, and invest some time with us, but I'm just going to open up the mic for you. And is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners before you go? No, I think uh, you're in the right place if you're listening to this podcast. Obviously, Jonathan does a really good job creating awareness and uh, just putting information out there, good information from a lot of different individuals, and uh, this is the right place to be. So thanks for having me, and uh, don't hesitate to reach out if I can help further. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, which could include Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or YouTube. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it on social media to help get the word out. Once again, thank you for joining us.